We're on. All right. Welcome. How are you, Tommy? Doing good, Jojo. Joe Jingle Jingleheimer Vaughn. Oh, boy. That's your <laughs> name, too. Hey. Uh, Welcome to the Finley's on Film. Yeah, do we never? We never really announce we're Finley's on Film. Sometimes I guess people are like are like looking at it on SoundCloud. It's not like we're sneaking the shit up on anyone, are we? We're talking right out of that thing in front of you, so that's right. Shouldn't be a problem. The thing in front of me. I'm talking to that thing in front of you. <laughs> it's the microphone, Joe. That's the word you were looking <laughs> no, for. No, dumb dumb. I'm talking to the audience on the uh, SoundCloud. Oh, hey, audience on the SoundCloud. Hi. We're talking out of this thing in front of you. <sighs> Surely are. Anyway, so um, unless I- it's behind you. And I'm not sure that's an important point to make. But let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Tom and I are high on eggnog, man. Oh, eggnog, life, and peanuts. Good Lord. With a T. I was hoping <laughs> to correct that. Um, we're talking today. I just want to jump right into it, man. Let's we're go. talking about um, three films from the Big Apple. Oh, or yeah. not from the Big Apple, sort of set in the Big Apple, or much like our San Francisco yeah, like episode. Yeah, the San Francisco one, right? It's, it's, a, it's one of those things where like the Big Apple is like almost a character. Almost a character. So it's a huge part of the scenery. It's a huge part of like what moves characters along Mm -hmm. and um anyway so tom allowed graciously allowed me to just sort of pick the three films or or maybe i just thrust it on him i'm not sure but i thrust it into him i tried to feel (laughs) (laughs) i tried not to do only the usual stuff we we spoon when we uh when we we brainstorm that's true Mm -hmm. that's true um so i started with um uh the 1948 classic the naked city Yes, sir. Now, you've seen this before. I have seen this before. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, you, you, uh, you. I want you. You got to do the plot on this thing, but yeah, um, it's a it's a pretty decent movie. It's not my favorite. It's a police procedural. It's not my favorite. It's noir for sure. Oh yeah, definitely noir. Noir for sure. A, a little bit, uh, a little bit over the top on some of the uh, the voiceover. I think. Um, so it oh, starts with voiceover. Well, what do you mean? Sometimes I like voiceover. Sometimes I don't. No. I don't know. I don't know. Voiceover is great here. I think it's, it's a little much. Myself. It's a city where no one sleeps. <laughs> and it's, yeah. Oh, it's so great! It's the voice of every uh, instructional film that we used to have to have to thread through those jumpy projectors in grade school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it talks about this the greatest city. Uh, the, which, by the way, as far as I know, New York is the greatest city of the world. You know, here's no. Guess what? I think we're going to commit. I'm going to say New York is the greatest city on the planet. Well, uh, I'm just going to say I haven't been to places I haven't been. Yeah, but I, I, <laughs> but I'm not for for one. I am not going to be constrained by things I actually know when it comes to opinions here. That's true. We should not. We ought not to fall into that horrid trap. So, so this voiceover sort of gives you the background of New York City, the city that never sleeps. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, here's the milkman <laughs> on, his, on his route in the morning. And and he goes to all these sort of people, hey, mister, what are you doing? You know, all this sort of stuff. All this shit would be incredibly alien come like 20 years later in the 70s. Fair enough. But um, one of the things, the last thing he announces is that, that there's a murder happening mm-hmm. in an apartment. And just, just while you sleep in, in the middle of the night toward the dawning hours, a murder could be happening. That's and two... Right. Two delightful fellows are murdering a, a lovely city, lady. A city of three million stories, and here's one of them. Yeah, and so I think that's the last line of the movie, actually. Might be, yeah, This yeah. was one of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not quite as corny as, as uh, Dragnet as a voiceover, for sure. But but in any case, we're, we're introduced, you know, we have a crime on our hand, right? Mm-hmm. And so you, you're right, it's a police procedural. Um, the crime is taken up by a man I, who I would uh, describe as slightly Irish. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think his name is Patty McDougal Shamrock. <laughs> <laughs> Patty McFuck the Brits. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Severely Irish. I mean, they're definitely falling into the Irish stereotypical uh, New York cop. That That is a stereotype for a goddamn reason. Right. And this guy, yeah. is, this guy is like, man, his face is a map of Ireland. Barry so. Fitzgerald is the actor. He's been in a million things oh, that you don't remember until you see them. That is one of the most <laughs> Irish names of all time. He is great. He's mm-hmm. a five foot nothing Mick. Yep. Who who um, is um, he's a, he's sort of like a forerunner to every jaded um, uh, DA head of the DA and Law and Order. Man, mm-hmm. we can't. <laughs> he also has that, that quality of being like a short, tough guy, like yep. like Cagney had. Yeah, like a little tough, like a little guy, but you wouldn't want to fuck with him because he he knows crazy foo. And, and he's paired with um, the actor, uh, who the hell is it? Don Taylor, who was in um, Stalag 17. Mm-hmm. He was in Submarine Command. He's oh, He's mm. been this sort of got, um, a tall, good-looking, um, very likable, slightly cynical, but not quite in the depths of cynicism. He's right. always just sort of like... Um, savable. Mm-hmm. He, he makes a great pair to William Holden in a lot of movies. Right. So he plays his partner, and it's all about really just solving this crime mm-hmm. uh, of, of the many crimes that happen in New York City, solving yeah. this crime. Now, that being said, this is definitely, the, again, we talked about the, the, un, the old underlying <laughs> words, yep. the underlying theme of this episode, which is New York as a character. And, and this movie God. is fucking great. It announces it. I mean, it's actually meta yeah. meta voiceover because part of the voiceover says that, that it was completely, wasn't filmed in a Hollywood studio. Mm-hmm. This story was, was filmed on, on the streets. Location. And it very much is yeah. the streets of New York in the late 1940s. Yep. And with the, that ending on the Brooklyn Bridge, fuck. <sighs> it's just all, all, all the sort of chases, all the sort of architecture of New York, all the beauty of that city and its mad sort of mm. um, packedness. And I gotta say this. I mean, you know, it, I, I'm gonna go, and, and I feel very uh, passionate about this. Like I'm a San Franciscan. That's my thing. Yeah. But New York is such a fucking great. It's city. just the best. I once got I, got, I once got sent to New York on business back when I had a legitimate job. Yep. Uh, for, for a week, I spent in, in New York City yep. on an expense account. Yeah. And if you can do that, people, I cannot recommend that fucking. Enough. If you can be poor, it doesn't. I mean, money's great to have in New York, but yeah. if you're broke, it's still amazing. Yeah. One of my favorite pictures. I have it in, somewhere on one of my iPhones. That's taking that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can ever recover, is it was um, Christmas in New York, and there was a woman wearing a parka, this old woman, and she was wielding a plunger like she was jousting, walking down the street. Uh-huh. The best part of the picture is nobody is flinching uh, like an inch yep. as she makes it. She's screaming at them, like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, heaving a plunger toward them. Right. Yep. It's just the greatest city ever. So, so, so really, I mean, the, the plot is, um, is interesting, although mm-hmm. the plot is not more interesting than a lot of noir or police procedurals right. in that sense. It, it, it really, what takes you over is the, the landscape the, of the movie. The sense of uh, the, uh, the ambiance. Yes. <laughs> the urgency and the people who, who pop. Well, that's okay. I think you're right in this one yeah. instance, rarely. Wow. Um, and that's, and that's, and then, and that within that landscape, authentically mm. filmed and beautiful black and white with a nice sort of bleached um, uh, yeah. cinematography mm-hmm. is. Um, all the characters only in New York can you have that many characters, and it doesn't seem they're like they are caricatures. Well, that's the other thing about it too is like a good a good movie in New York, particularly from this time period. You know, and, you, and it's people are a caricature in yep. a sense, right? Like that guy with the Brooklyn accent. Yeah, you know that 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 
that the Jews are the Jewiest they're ever going to be. Yep. In in that setting, the, yeah. It's just, the, but but it's such a big it's such a big landscape that it gives room for that kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know how else to say it. It's it's such a remarkable fucking city, and this is and it just it's captured so beautifully, so tonally in this movie as well. Yeah, yeah, completely. And so, so um, there's a suspect mm-hmm. um, early on in the film who's a real um, dirtbag. Mm-hmm. In every way, he's a dirtbag. He leads the ladies on. And as we now know, leading ladies on is wrong. Well, we'll get to that in another, in another movie or two here. Right? <laughs> oh, that's true. Oh, right. <laughs> You're so right. In another movie and then another movie after that. Really, we're going to get into it. Um, but he's a cad. And yeah. he's a sort of he lie he's a fucking like pathological liar, right? Mm-hmm. But something's not quite right because the closer they get to him being the murderer, the the clearer it is that he's not exactly the murderer. That he's involved in some right. way, but he's not exactly the murderer. And it, it also revolves around something that's kind of a, a cliched old hat story. Um, it, it has a real life parallel from a little earlier in the Black Dahlia story in Hollywood, right. and that's the idea of the murdered sort of like model slash actress who um, moved you know from the cornfields of Iowa mm-hmm. or something to the big city right. to make it, and only really makes it as a, someone who's a sort of a Jezebel or a is that the right word? A user of yeah. men, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and so no, she's absolutely a, she's right. ashamed yeah. to her family who right. comes to sort of identify the body, and mm-hmm. you know, and there's this sort of great scene where these these sort of hillbillies come to identify the body and Fitzgerald is is sort of uh, ferrying them around and, and finally um, they identify the body of this mother who's like I hate her I mm-hmm. hate what she's done this I hate what the city represents. He, Barry Fitzgerald, the detective, offers them a room. Mm-hmm. We don't want to stay. No, thank you. Not <laughs> in your big city. Back to Iowa to us. And then, of course, she breaks down when she sees Because in the her, end, no matter how much the city has changed her baby, her mm-hmm. baby's still her baby in the city. Yeah. yeah. And, I know, and I love that trope, too. I, I yep. wonder if this movie made that trope. That's Maybe what I'm saying. It really like, isn't a cliche. It's been in, it's been, but now it's been in a million oh, course, uh, yeah. CS, CSIs <laughs> yeah, yeah. and fucking every, yeah. every time there, there, there's, a, there's a crime. And you know, there's a there's a crime in a movie or yeah. a TV show in in New York. It's, right. it's somebody who came in from Iowa oh, or cornball parents <laughs> coming from Duluth. To, right. Yeah, right. there's no hot plate. What are we gonna do? There's no casseroles. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This whole place. Yeah. So it's it's. I mean, it's really just that. I mean, I it's a film where I don't I don't know that I need to sort of march out all of the plot because the plot you kind of know if you've seen right. Law and Order or other things. Mm-hmm. It's just that it's so beautifully embraced by the landscape of the city and and these actors are. Um, I, at, the, at the one hand, they're over the top, and on the other hand, there are moments where they kind of have to take a back seat to the mm. to the skyline. That's yeah. that's their co-star, right? Right. And so Tom alluded and earlier, they're not, and they're not huge stars, but they're but, no. but sometimes you don't need that in a movie. And no, that's okay, it's a well written movie. It's mm-hmm. well filmed. Um, and uh, Tom alluded earlier to like a final chase scene, which is um, I think um, uh, I can't think of the word of it, but uh, it's well known. It's uh, uh, fuck, I'm losing words. But anyway, everyone knows about. Like it's like the ending of North by Northwest. It's sort of like mm-hmm. uh, iconic is the word I was looking for. An yeah, iconic, iconic sort yeah. of like ending. Oh yeah, definitely. And yeah. a chase across the uh, I th- I, the Brooklyn Bridge, it, right? I, I'm not sure that it is a Brooklyn Bridge. Really, it might be the George Washington. But anyway, it doesn't yeah. fucking matter. Yeah. Who cares? Who gives a shit? It's a bridge. It's a bridge of a troubled waters, Tommy. Oh, wow, goddamn! <laughs> you hate this character, wow. right? Oh, Tommy! <laughs> no, I love the character. Oh, the bridge. bridge over troubled waters. Come on, really? That's the best we could do here. Cliche so, twat. Anyway, so it's it's um 
it's just a wonderful. And then of course it ends with that with a great line. Um, you know, this is yeah. there are, are ten million cities uh, stories in the Naked City. This, this was, was one of them, and it really is. <laughs> you know, as cliche as the idea of that of the Naked City and just one in, in ten million stories is. That's really what New York is. It's, you know, I I don't know if you've you had this thought early when I was a kid. I, I remember the first time I thought, um, maybe as a, like eleven or twelve, like at any given moment of the day, somebody's fucking. Like, <laughs> like that idea, like intrigued me. Like at any moment of the day, one, not one of those people right. is me, <laughs> and always none For of them are years me. to come. Oh, but but God. that, and then of course the idea that always there's something going on, and the more the more you visit places you're then stuck with the knowledge that you know that place and then forevermore something will be going on in that place even mm. when you forget it, yeah. right? And and so I, I think no place explores that idea more than New York, even when you're there, yeah. is there's always going to be something going on. I don't mean in that cornball way of no, like, the, the city sh- never sleeps. I just mean like it's it's full of... The sheer... The sheer- number of people, the sheer size, the sheer yep. basis of probability... That 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 is that city. Yeah, it's fucking amazing. It's be- I love that city, and I love I do love this film, and and it is flawed, no question about it. And some of what's flawed about it is not its fault; it's because it's it's dated, right? Um, but but I think it's a little stands- cornball, a little cliched. Yeah, if it were me, I'd put it on a, on a scale from one to ten. I'm going to go for six and a half, seven. I go for about yeah, seven thereabouts. I. And if if you were a borough, I'd make you Staten Island right now, the one no one knows about, because that's a crazy thing to if say. If I were a borough, you'd strap coffee across my back and take me through the Andes. It's <laughs> 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 a Juan Valdez joke. That no, was good. It was good. I have to admit, that was a good joke. It just hit me like a ton of bricks, don't it? But, um... Right. No, I mean, I think I was going to sort of downgrade it to like, oh, it's an eight. You well, know, it, it has flaws. But I, I gave it a seven, you douche. It's not mm, that far off. It's a C to a B, but that's so. So uh, anyway, so I, I, but good movie. And it's a thumbs up. If you want to know what noir is, it's a good movie to start. This is this would be a good one to cut your teeth on. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of cutting your teeth in no way at all, I'd like to transition yeah, to our second of film, <laughs> <laughs> which is now this one. This second film, I think. It makes the least right. case for New York, like the skyline, mm-hmm. as as a character. Although it certainly does show up, the city itself certainly does show up right. consistently. Um, but it's more it's more of a, a story that's clearly filmed in New York, has a film uh, has a New York attitude, mm-hmm. um, and then and then we have New York itself playing a part. And that's uh, John Cassavetes' directorial debut, 1959's Shadows, Shadows, which I would say is very different from not only The Naked City but a lot of films. oh, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, wow. Usually, I would say New York mostly sort of bleeds into this one because of the time and place it was done. I mean the beat the the whole beatnik the uh, beat music, generation. The jazz. Yeah, jazz is huge in this fucking movie. Yeah. It's really a big part of it. Yeah, um, but there are great the, scenes the where kind you of see melting potish thing going sort on, sort of running across a park in the in the morning light mm-hmm. hours and so forth. So it does yeah. have a little bit of what the other films yeah, but more have. more less the visual, more the spiritual. Okay, I agree with you, and it's also um, even though this isn't given away until the end, it's worth noting from the beginning because it might help you watch it, whether you end up like excuse me liking it or not, and that's that it's. It's stated at the end of this film that it was an improvised film. Right. That there was no... Now, I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. I don't believe it was a scriptless film. Right. I think that it it had a script, a, probably a skeleton script, and Cassavetes, because of that group he was working with, a sort of like um, a studio actors or mm-hmm. um, actor studio in New York group, 
um, that he sort of um, encouraged heavy improvisation off a script. That was his huge thing. He was really against the method. He didn't. He was kind of. He was tired of method acting. Mm -hmm. I did a little bit of research on this movie because yep. it was fascinating when yep. I was watching. I had to kind of dig my head into it a little bit. So, yep. so the uh, the fundamental idea that that started the idea for the movie mm -hmm. was done in an improvisational scene. Yeah. So there's that. They did. Two, they basically did two movies, right? The first movie was mostly improvised. Okay. All right. But it kind of got panned. It's just the, the end result wasn't good enough. So, so Cassavetes went back and did sort of what you're suggesting, which is he created a, a, a framework wherein improvisation could happen. I was ready to call him a big fat liar. So a lot of the, a lot of the, uh, so a lot of the, a lot of the lines are there. But he absolutely refused to tell the actors how to say anything. Well, and, and to me, uh, it it can make it a labor, a, a chore to watch at mm -hmm. times. Yep. But I also think. There are elements that seem you forget in a way that it's a film. If it weren't black and white, mm -hmm. it, because it does seem very, very authentically the way people talk. Yeah. They talk in a in a, a mess. It's jumbled. Mm -hmm. They they misunderstand each other, but like honestly misunderstand each other. Absolutely. There's there's moments of embarrassing candor. Yep. That go on that you yeah. wouldn't capture under an in a more artificial. There are, are are boring moments, but some sometimes in art, if it's well done, boring can start to become kind of thrilling in a mm, way. And it's own thing. Yeah. yeah. So so it, it, I'm pulding up air quotes here. It's the story. Is, yeah, what is the story? Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> if we were talking, okay, we're here's to the story. This, here's the story. It's a story of, um, I mean, an interracial family in New York in the 1950s, and so there's a musician who's. Uh, who sings like jazz? He's a jazz singer, a jazz, jazz singer of standards, um, who is clearly clearly identified as black. Well, he's he is black. a dark skinned yeah. black man, right? right. Um, and and you know his sort of immediate problem is that um, he's being made to sold at, uh, sell out all the time. So yeah. he has to sort of like um, uh, open with by singing for like burlesque strippers right. and they introduce. And, and, he and here's a joke. It. Oh, and there's a joke. There's a part where he has to work on a joke to yeah, tell, and he yeah, hates yeah. it. And he's got this manager, so mm -hmm. so he he has integrity, but he's clearly suffering for his integrity. Right? right. He's also the older brother of two siblings. Right. And um, one of them, uh, one, one of them's uh, is is a jazz player. He's a he's a dr uh, musician. Yes. Uh, he's also a jazz musician, but he's younger. He's the callow youth of the group. He spends his time hanging out with his gang, basically a gang. But, he, know, but he's also not black. I mean, he he may have he, he's he's, he he's that middle he's that very middle clearly. Yeah, he could he could clear for for uh, he could like an like a ethnic white like yeah. a white ethnicity like a Jewish Italian yep. Armenian some somewhere in that neighborhood. And so can the sister. The sister is much more white, much more passable, if you yeah, will, right? Yeah. So, so, so then you have this sort of group of like um, kind of would be beat hoodlums mm -hmm. who are always out for sort of chasing pussy around town, right. like you know, in in corner booths, and modestly chasing pussy around too, and uh, yeah, <laughs> and, and, and <laughs> yeah. in a way that I guess works much better. I than, guess I mean that, and, that would get they would lose their Hollywood jobs now. But oh, no the, question, yeah. yeah, including the bro including the the passing brother, right. like the brother who possibly could pass. Mm -hmm. So, so all of that is happening. And and then you have um, uh, the sister the little, who, the who could sister. definitely pass, and and she's going out with um, a white guy, an older white guy, mm -hmm. but a younger white guy sees her at a party and and begins to strike a relationship with her. And for, by the way, for 1959, the scene where he takes her home and sleeps with her right. is 
is real today. Yeah. And and by the way, I don't mean that they got down to like the you know showing the sex, although they went a lot farther than you would think in nineteen fifty nine. It's the aftermath of her mm-hmm. being in bed and her regretting what she did. And again, not simply because of 1959 morals and standards, but because she feels she, used. Well, because she didn't enjoy it. And she didn't enjoy it. it and, hurt. That's, and that's clear. She that says she, those words. It hurt. But also she didn't enjoy the experience. Yeah. And it's like, first, you know, what? Right. You enjoy the experience. Like, this is 1959. What are you about? That was part of it? Holy shit. I didn't get that memo. <laughs> right. So, so there's all of that. And then kind of a, a cringeworthy him trying to sort of like trying to like go between not wanting her to think badly of him but mm. also not necessarily want to stick to, to stick around her he right. just wanted to, to get just, laid yeah he just wanted to, you know, get you wanted to get up in them guts and then head out the next it's a morning. real well here's here's why it's a, it's kind of a, a George Costanza situation for this uh. guy because because there's that you know like he only wants to sort of soothe her because he doesn't want to feel bad about himself but then he he takes her back to her home where yeah. he learns wah, something wah, interesting, wah. <laughs> which is that she's black. He had no idea she was right. black. And, and his reaction is really what you'd expect it to be under the circuit at well, that time and place. I think it's also cringeworthy because what? his reaction isn't like, oh, no, oh, shit, I'm out of here. Right. His reaction is like, nothing's wrong, nothing's wrong. And the older brother, and, who's and clearly like, oh, black, yeah, yeah. picks up on that, and it's like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah. And wants to protect the sister. So, mm-hmm. so there's all of this sort of like tension between... Like, look, was the guy a bad guy? A little bit, but also he's like a schmuck. He yes, but also he, it's he's not like a he's but, not a, a like a clear he's not racist. A villain. No, he's not a villain. No, he's just someone who's like, what? That's not part of my 1959 world. What right. happened here? And it's like he's as he I've, feels as burned as she did when she, when he first slept with her. Not that he should feel burned, but he does feel burned. Right, and later on, he approaches the older brother and tries to no, the younger brother and tries to. You know, pass on a message to her, and it was yeah. like it was like Lenny Bruce's "How to Relax Your Colored Friends at a Party." Oh <laughs> like, God! It's the white guy who's trying to be cool. <laughs> Bojangles is... a hell of a dancer, right? <laughs> it's like tell her that I don't think we're any different. Like, oh, oh yeah, it's really it's cringeworthy, but it's it's uh, consciously but it's, but it's cringeworthy. But it's an and it's honest. There are so few honest films on this type of subject, like Imitation of Life. Yeah, if you ever seen it, it's it's it really doesn't make apologies for anyone. Mm-hmm. It just is what it is and says, here's the fucking subject matter. And I think that's what this movie really is because this movie is more than just, it's not, and it's one of the things I love about movies is the potential that goes yep. on in them. This isn't a movie in the traditional sense of the word. This is no. a, this is truly a slice of life. You know when we called Nothing But a Man the original mm-hmm. independent film? Mistake. This has to be the original independent film. Boy, it, is it independent. Oh, no. shit. It is not fucking around. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't, It's uh, the, the story is almost non-existent. Existent. Right, you know. In fact, that the, the, I was telling you how like the whole movie idea came from an improvised scene. That scene was the one where he found out this girl he was dating was black. Oh, like, they, they were doing this. Yeah, yeah, that's the basis of the whole fucking movie. Well, it's but, the center of the movie, in a but way. it is the center of the movie. Yeah. It's, it's the it's the central pivotal moment of the movie. But mm-hmm. at the same time, there's great moments. There's just so this like ugh, I hate to sound like a cliche, but there's so much humanity going on in this movie. It is in some look. Here's the thing with this movie. If anyone watched this movie and, and, and for 20 minutes and was like, I will not watch another second of this movie, fuck you, I don't blame you. Couldn't blame him. I do not blame you. But no. if you're willing to hang on, I think it is such a treat. Yeah. It is, it is a, it's a unique it's film totally experience. totally new, yep. Yeah. Worth it. 
So Cassavetti's 1959 Shadows. Yeah, everyone's been telling me I need to read. Well, go watch read. I need to go watch Cassavetti's. And I was like, oh yeah. fuck off, get away from me. Well, we know Cassavetti's no, from think. from Rosemary's Baby and the Dirty Dozen, right? <laughs> right yeah, so <I'm> like, how, <laughs> that's how, how we can, grew up. How can that guy from the Dirty Dozen <laughs> be an artistic genius? Now I got to oh fuck. All right, now I guess I do have to go take a look at it. You know, Woman Under the Influence is my next stop. I think. Okay. Yeah, I, I I'm in the same boat. It's Peter Falk. Uh, okay. Look, lady, you're under the influence. Uh, does it end this way almost? What, what, one uh, more thing. One more one bottle. More. <laughs> one more bottle of gin. <laughs> well, listen, I, so I'm okay. pleased that you liked it because I was halfway thinking you'd hate this movie, and so I'm glad. You, I didn't like Here's the funny thing about it. Yeah. I liked it the more I think about it. Yeah, it's one of those the more, films it's, that it's hits one of those you, right? right. Like at the time, I was like, I could sort of, nah, take it or leave it. It's a little yep. bit this. and then, But the, the more I think about it, the more I go like, that's an extraordinary movie. It is a, a, a project of, yeah. of uh, unique proportions. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, so because we don't want to court controversy, let's um, slip into our final film. <laughs> a little bit about Louis C.K. Oh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> and that is Another famous. 1979's A Manhattan. Manhattan. <sighs> Manhattan, the movie. All right, let's just. Wow. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. Well, let's let's start with the, some scaffolding here. It, it opens with. A promise that is kept of cinematography. Uh, it too opens with a voiceover, but it's it's a fake voiceover because yeah. it's Woody Allen's character right, trying to write his novel. Right. It's, you know, he had the smoldering, the you sexuality know, sexuality <laughs> of a double leopard. And it's all these great shots of New York. I, yeah. I've never seen a better um, composite of, of shots of New York life happening. No. Um, just brilliantly put together. The, the the cinematography is some of the best cinematography in black and white that I've ever seen. It's fantastic. It's almost like Ansel Adams-esque yeah. in that sense. It's just glowingly brilliant, yep. fucking straight, mm-hmm. and it's New York at yep. its Dirty slash cleanest at the same time. Okay, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna pose a, a problem that's not the problem that we're going to get to, which is fucking problematic. <laughs> but it, it's it's the one problem that I have with Woody Allen movies, and I do love the Woody Allen movies. I love I love them. Yes. Um, but it, it has the same problem that I think like Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld has. Mm-hmm. Jews. <laughs> yeah, Jews. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Episode over. Okay. Um, and it's it's um. That um, well, Scorsese said it one time. Scorsese was was talking about Woody Allen, and he's like, Woody Allen's a brilliant filmmaker, but his New York is not one I know uh-huh. because Scorsese grew up in Hell's Kitchen. I mean, right. he's the other extreme, right? So, so, so everyone in a Woody Allen movie always has both plenty of money and time on their hands, right? And uh, yes, and has and <laughs> has a look, and, and has uh, everybody has an opinion about Proust at some point. Yeah, that's gonna come out. and knowledge of Proust, right? And, yeah, yeah, even oh, the knowledge of the name, fucking Proust. Yeah, yeah, exactly, you know. exactly. So yeah, no, he's well, he's he's that weird idealized sort of New York. Yeah. You know, the one Harry sure. Met Sally is a rip off of this, totally of this fucking thing right here. Yeah. It's that, uh, but yeah, the, the people with plenty of money who happen to own their own brownstone in New York, or not necessarily in this well, case, but and even so, the money's the, not a problem. For them, even the first problem carries with it the, the smaller problem, which is so it opens up in a scene in, in the famous restaurant Elaine's, which mm-hmm. is like a New Yorker's landmark, right? Well, that's, well, that's the other thing about this movie is every scene is shot in some kind <laughs> some of like landmark. landmark in New York. Oh yeah, well, so Ugh. so he's at a restaurant with his uh, his two friends mm-hmm. and his own girlfriend Tracy, who's seventeen years old. Yes. Now we'll get into why that's a problem, but but also it's stunning, Mariel Hemingway. Yes, Fuck. yes. But why that's that's it, it's all, before it's the obvious problem. It's also an extension of the problem we just talked about because in Woody Allen movies, and and I'm setting you up for a joke, but but resist taking it here. Okay. Um, 
of course he'd be dating a 17-year-old whose parents are totally fine with it. Right. And they exist in the world. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But right. but everything that, that makes your life work <laughs> wonderfully exists in his movies. So, which Once one leaves a Montessori school, one must enjoy the wrinkly embrace of an older well, gentleman. And it, why not? It's life and she's learning to live it. In a way, that problem <laughs> is what makes Woody Allen a, a good writer anyway, kind mm-hmm. of. It's almost like he gives himself that challenge because then where do you get the conflict in such a great world? Well, it's your own neurotic behavior right. and that it's, creates you, problems. You bring the fuck up problem with you right okay so so there's this initial problem and so that's the problem that we alluded to earlier mm-hmm. which is i mean what more timely time i mean charlie rose is going down for sexual harassment for fuck's oh, is sake that what that comment was about yeah you didn't know no eight women have uh. accused him apparently charlie rose is a huge cock and loved parading around <laughs> charlie I rose I, uh. oh if andy rooney had lived <laughs> Never pull your penis out. The girl didn't like it. (laughs) God damn it. Never rape anyone. Too far, Tom. So, um, (laughs) yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's a problem. In some way, I mean, I remember the first time I saw this, I was like 23, Mm. and it seemed like this is very enlightened. And it's not that it isn't enlightened in some ways. It has aspects of that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's, I'm I'm pointing out something obvious and we're being a little timid about it, that it's a problematic film to watch in 2017. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in the same way that Gone with the Wind, when I when I saw it as Wait, a teenager, something wrong with Gone with the Wind? <laughs> was like, what's? It's a bit of history. What are you talking about? The black people love their masters. It's just kind of it makes. Right. There's right. no escaping it. It's not political correctness. It's just a reality. Yeah. So there's that, um, but it's also a film about so his this main character Isaac mm-hmm. who has all kinds of complications in his life. He has an ex-wife played by a stunning Meryl Streep. God damn it! Isn't she fucking? She's clean as she's ever been, man. That's her third film. She'd done. Uh, she a small part in uh, Jane Fonda's Julia. Mm-hmm. She was a more substantial part the year before in The Deer Hunter and then this film. So she was still sort of like a supporting oh, actress yeah, at this point. Yeah, that... Beautiful. Oh, I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb and say a great actress. Do you um, think? Maybe a little. So, so that's his ex-wife, but but she's um, a nut job. I mean, even compared to him in that like she's writing a book, for instance, that outlines all his humiliating sexual <laughs> details. <laughs> and she cannot acknowledge that that might be weird. <laughs> Which, way. by the way, has new resonance <laughs> With Woody Allen in 2017. Yeah. Um, you know what? Let's let that go for just now. Let's okay, just talk let's about it. this movie. Because yeah. I think this movie deserves it. I think I'm this sorry, movie yeah. deserves to be taken on its own merit. I do too. Okay, so 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 he's got that problem. He's got the sort of obvious problem within the context of the film, not mm-hmm. historically, not today, of like, look, he's 42 or something, a successful like writer for television, right. and he's dating someone who's in her last year of high school. Right. And I mean, the, the problems, the wonderful part of it is, mm-hmm. and, and, and I think... Um, it, you know, if you're smart, we've had this experience. It's part of, it's one of the, one of the, among the miseries of being smart and being like a lonely nerd kid. One of the things that's cool is you run into people, you date people in your life where you get to introduce them. Right. Like you get to say like, you've never seen Casablanca. Let, right. Let's check this out. Yeah. And of course that's obvious for this character because it's like, she, she doesn't know who WC Fields is and she kind of enjoys this but older man. But she loves finding out about it. She's got this open mind and an she open heart. It. She's like kind of a, she's kind of a caricature in that sense of like, a, of an innocent young woman. In okay. And, a, and she's, she's also smart. And, and so people are asking questions about like, are you serious about this? And he's like, no, I'm not really. I just, I'm not, I'm having a really wonderful time in my life. What yeah. we would normally call it like a midlife crisis. 
crisis, yeah. essentially. Mm-hmm. So there's that. And then enters Diane Keaton, who is at her most wonderfully annoying yeah. character in a film. She, for some reason, She's it's so important Keaton to let her know, one. like, I'm from Philadelphia. People <laughs> in Philadelphia never, like, this whole thing that irritates the piss out of them, which, yeah. of course, as in Intrigues life, is, is the beginning right. of all good love stories. <laughs> the woman who irritates the shit out of you and you yeah. irritate her. And so he, he um, but she, she is, um, I forget his name, but his friend's mistress. Yeah, I can't remember that guy's name either. If you got it over there, let's let's hear it. But because he does a really good, it's Mike something, uh, Michael something or other. It's it's Mike Murphy, but the Mike character's Murphy. name is Yale. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's a, he's a great, great actor. Good, 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 not, great, good character. You know, he was in. Um, by the way, what's up, Doc? Was he really? He was one of the suitcase uh, chasers. Okay. Okay. Sure. Sorry. I probably I believe that you. All right. But anyway, so yeah, it's uh, they have this interesting relationship. Yeah. It's it's an enviable one because it's like I want a relationship where I teach, but then I, I could drive off in my my Carmen Ghia to, to like the the, <laughs> the Carmen Ghia, which, which is bought during the course of the movie. Yeah. And there's yeah. another neurotic focal point. <coughs> Are oh, they... in a car in New York, honey. Yeah, yeah. So it's all this sort of stuff, and it, it's it's as with many of Woody Allen's movies, it's a chance for him to sort of also trot out these one liners it's like yeah. you know they're in the back of the cab and you get this voiceover of he and diane keaton in the back of a cab and she says um i love you i love you and he says i love you so much i can barely keep my eyes on the meter you know like just little, little you <laughs> woody know jokes, woody yeah. allen jokes and it's like those mm. are always precious um and funny and funny yeah. and also you know um within the context of the film because i think you're right i'm trying to stay in it um there are moral quandaries that are examined and he and they're examined smartly Smartly and 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 gently and my my favorite movie by him is Crimes and Misdemeanors. He does a similar thing. Like okay, so just from a personal experience point, I have the experience of being a forty-seven-year-old man who dated a significantly younger person and a significantly younger woman. Yeah. And there's this thing when you're in that when you're in that position, the the older male and and with a younger female. Yeah. There's this position that he takes in this movie, Mm -hmm. which is. You know, do no harm. I think that was kind of how I thought of it myself. Yeah. Is, I, this can't go on, right? This can't possibly last. But, but that's also part but of maybe it. Maybe it fucking can, and maybe I should. Maybe maybe he and I were like, maybe he and I fucked up our own lives by not allowing that possibility to be. But I think also what's examined is that when you know it can't go on, or even think it can't, you are already doing harm. Yeah. There's that wonderful scene where he starts. Mm-hmm. He's seeing the younger girl Tracy, and he's he's kind, Yale and Diane Keaton have broken up, and he's kind of got eyes for Diane Keaton. He's had some sort of walk with her all night. There's a famous sort of the scene that's on the poster um, where they end up at the park by by uh, the Manhattan Bridge, mm-hmm. sort of with her dog looking into the oh, river. That fucking view of Manhattan. Amazing. So he, he's he's sort of falling for someone else, and he knew that it wouldn't last with Tracy. So he picks her up, of course, from school, mm-hmm. uh, and and she's purchased a harmonica for him because. She, she likes him so much and he's playing the harmonica and he start, he tells her we got to end this I start to see someone else and she says to him I'm paraphrasing something like you like someone more than me and it was like that so oh we've all felt that I can't believe you like someone more than me and it's it, she embodies all of that sort of um that stuff you know it's like mm-hmm. I'm getting a little a little emotional here yeah, <laughs> but sure. it's a, it's a deep deep movie and it, it examines deep things, and at the same time, it's, it's stylish. Right. It's well. That's the thing. It's it's against the stylish backdrop Gersh, of the Gershwin of the, soundtrack, the elite of New York, and, and Gershwin soundtrack. Yeah. Which has never in the history of the world been better used than in this movie. Fucking fantastic. You said, and the ending Symphony. ending shot, um, which I read, um, one of his cameramen 
um, took the camera home. He didn't even have to take the camera home, just took it out of convenience back to his apartment in Brooklyn. <laughs> and it was the 4th of July, and he looked out the bathroom window and was like, holy shit, and like held his camera out his bathroom window. And that's how you get that, the fireworks over New York City. Oh, as the fire. It was an accidental shot. Nice. Okay. Yeah, so, oh, that's a beautiful piece I mean, of it's just, God, it's so fucking... Um, such a poignant film, and there's a great, yeah. I mean, one kind of over-the-top thing where he's he's confronting Yale, because Yale has decided maybe he wants to go back to <laughs> Diane Keaton. And, there's and, time to change your mind. Yeah, there's still time to, and, and, and the, he, he um, sort of corrals um, Yale, who's teaching at NYU, into another classroom, and it's a biology classroom, and there's a great shot of Woody Allen um, standing, giving a speech to Yale about morality, while, he's, while Woody Allen, who's giving the speech, is next to a... A, a full skeleton, like, like a chrome magnum skeleton. <laughs> and he points to the skeleton and he says, someday we're going to be like this guy. And, you know, what are we going to have to show for it? You know, yeah. you change your mind. You want the Porsche. You don't want the Porsche. You write the book. You're not going to write it. You know? And it's like, take pick a lane, essentially. Right. But which is, by the way, he's also calling himself out. Yeah. In that moment. So it's like, you know, as a film, you know, if you could, if you could, you know, keep the outside world away. Mm-hmm. And just encapsulate yourself in, in the world of this film, which is possible for an sure. hour and a half at a time. Um, this is it's a great in the film. city. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great film. Oh no, absolutely! It's yeah, it's really fucking. Amazing. Having said that, I, I also not sure how long you can keep it away after you turn your DVD or whatever off, because in the end, you know, mm, Woody Allen is a fucking a problem, <laughs> and I think he raped a child, and if he didn't, he's still a problem. Yeah. I mean, unless he wants to come on a show, in which case I don't believe. In which case, Mister Allen, <laughs> I, um, I, this tattoo of you, I'll finish. Uh, wait, was um, that a concentration camp joke? Wow, no, but now oh, it is. Geez, now it is. Sweet Jesus, Tom. Sweet Jesus. Um, yeah. So it's like I think that it is hard sometimes, and it's going to become harder. And I think that. Um, the idea that you could separate the stuff is simply becoming kind of impossible. And I don't mean yeah. what I'd like to say is that people are making it impossible for yeah. me. But the truth is, I'm because I have a conscience. I'm, have a it's, it's harder for myself to yeah. to just sort of separate all these things. But that's the world. And and you know, if someone discovers this episode a year from now, I don't know what the world's going to be like. I, I have no idea what what it'll, it'll be on a disc. They have no idea what to do with it. They'll make an earring out of it. <laughs> that's the best <laughs> we can be, hope for. Uh, in the fucking rubble. You're Welcome, ear. Oh, anyway, so I mean, I, such a it, fantastic movie. It's a great, great movie, and I think Woody Allen will never cease to be problematic. Uh, he will never cease to be problematic. He'll, I mean, long before this, he's he's someone who people love or hate. Mm -hmm. He's got like a Michael Moore quality to about him in that sense. Mm -hmm. um, I gotta say, if you could put your stuff away, of course, about the problematic stuff about Woody Allen, but in general, that you don't like his type of thing. I think it could still be a good film on its own. You could hate Woody Allen, but mm -hmm. still love this film as like an exception. Oh, that's a really interesting question because this is really, a, this is really, I mean, it's hard to say which is the most Woody Allen of all movies, but to me, this feels the most Woody Allen of all movies yeah. in a sense. So if you're having a hard time with the Woody Allen-ness of yeah, it. Maybe so. Maybe I just want people to watch it. <laughs> maybe. You know, if yeah. you don't like it, then you don't. Then then you then you couldn't possibly like any other Woody Allen movie. Maybe that's it. You know. Um, yeah. There's so many fucking great ones, um, and so many bad and ones. You know I what? I could <laughs> some terrible ones. Yeah, yeah. And if you don't like it, I can't blame you for that because fuck you. It's a great movie. I mean, like Woody Allen is. Yeah. If you, it's a thinking movie. It's a movie that make that that causes thought in your head. Yep. You know, and reflection. And a lot of people don't go to movies for that. You know, one of the things he's been sort of called out as being full of shit for, but I kind of have to side with him on is 
Um, he's an intellectual, um, but in the end, a, a kind of a sub theme of a lot of his movies is that um, the brain can only know so much. The right. heart has to know it, mm-hmm. and I, I, I can't, can't fault him. I can't think it's a, it's yeah. an interesting point that he he delivers in a lot of his films uh, uh, say especially in this and two or three others if he were you know what i think one of the things that would make his you would make him unbearable is if he were less sort of self-aware in, yeah. the, in the context of the movies not necessarily in his love life but that kind of thing yeah but like in the context of his movies the jokes are aimed at him as much as they are at anybody else he's oh, a, certainly as or more neurotic than anybody else on the screen and he and it's a and it's a screen peopled with neurotics well, I mean, he now he. Uh, this is going to be a weird thing to say. He was a blueprint for Louis C.K. And I want to say, as a filmmaker, <laughs> although who knows, they took their own paths the other way. Uh, well, uh, yes, I guess. Um, as as a as a, uh, as, a fil- as an auteur, they're both auteurs in, in different ways. So yeah. Louis C.K. certainly can be. But it's sort of interesting that that what they both share also, among many things in common, is that like Louis C.K. was making more than his parents as a teenager, mm. writing jokes for like radio comics right right Mm -hmm. and so his whole uh, like before adult life has been being funny joke 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 right he knows that world but then to transition it into serious auteurship and cinema and Mm -hmm. and around this time period by the way some very a couple of ingmeyer bergman-esque like total dramas And, and and to be that successful at that I fucking admire anyone who's that good at something and then decides to be that good at something else. Yeah. And yeah. he and Louis again, some others have that in common, that sense of like, well, I'm going to risk it and do something else. And he mm-hmm. risks it. Um, and a lot of people say, I'm, I'm moving outside the scope of this, so I'll, I'll bring it back in a second. But a lot of people say after Manhattan, people, uh, people would follow Woody Allen anywhere except his next movie, which was called Stardust Memories, which I, I actually happen to like. Um, but he, ever seen that. Oh, he bombed with that movie <laughs> and it was the perfect thing for him because okay. he started sort of building up the 80s thing Hannah and her sisters mm-hmm. and, and Crimes of Mr. Minus which is outside of scope but anyway mm-hmm. it's, it's suffice to say it's my favorite of the three movies but I think they're all sufficiently different yeah. from each other mm-hmm. this one has the most in common with the first in terms of being sort of traditional look at the landscape but they are very different movies about a very different city yeah oh god damn it I feel like feel like a bag of bread just got <laughs> twisted in the wind. Uh, hold that's on, very wry of you. Can we? Get... Oh, I just blew it. Oh, oh that was a god, nerd. Oh, how stuck. about this? How about this? Oh, right. Slap me some five, baby. Give me some skin fives. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks wow. for joining us. This is another fun episode. Oh, I pulled something. Yeah, me too. <laughs> 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 yeah, it was good, man. Tommy, I love you, buddy. Likewise, man. Holidays coming up. I'm looking forward. All right. Goodbye, everyone. All right. Lovelies.